First Samuel chapter 17, we'll start in verse 1. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched the camp at Ephens Demim between Soko and Ezka. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another in the valley, but and there was a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He was over nine feet tall. I'd like to buy him pants when he was growing up. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and his iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man to have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And now David, the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Iliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took a stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread to your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit and see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. There was Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning David left the flock in the care of the shepherd loaded up and set out and Jesse, as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites have been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He, keeps, he comes out to defy Israel. The king will have or give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt him from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Iliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger. Adam and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? I can't, can I even speak? He then turned to someone else and brought up the same matter, and they answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. 
David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep with a lion or a bear, came and carried off sheep from the flock. I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. God, we thank you this morning. God, we are in awe of your goodness to us, your faithfulness. And we know, Lord, that this is, we know that this is one step in your plan. So while we celebrate God, we look for giants. We pray, Lord, that the momentum we hear today, that the momentum we experience today, that the message we hear from your word today would excite even more the faith you put inside of us. Lord, even as we rest, put excitement in our hearts for what you want to do still through us. We thank you for this opportunity. If we know it's rare, but you're the God of rare things. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Many of you have heard this this story before. Maybe you grew up in Sunday school and you heard David and Goliath and David kills Goliath every time, I think. I'm pretty sure he still does. Kills Goliath the same way. Uh, Not much has changed about the story, but God can often reveal things through a story we've heard over and over again. That's why your parents tell you the same story over and over again. They're hoping you catch it. So we find that, um, by the way, we're still in our Death by Familiarity sermon series. We're going to continue it. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but next week is Easter. Next week is Easter, so invite your family and friends uh, to celebrate Easter with us. We'll, we'll have three services again, uh, 8.15, 9.45, and 11.15 for Easter, and we're just really excited about what God's going to do during Easter. But we're talking about death by familiarity, how certain mindsets, how certain things we, we latch on to can be detrimental to us, the familiarity of the whole thing. And what you find out in this story is that Israel had become familiar uh, with a defeatist mindset. The Bible says for 40 days, this giant had stepped out in front of them day after day after day and taunted them and, and said, hey, listen, why don't you send somebody to fight me? And Israel refused to do, they refused to send anybody. Not only did they refuse, I think there just wasn't anybody to send. There wasn't anybody going, dude, I'll do it. So what you have is you have lining up for battle every day in this futile effort only to back away when Goliath stepped forward. So the Bible says that they would step out for 40 days, line up like they were going to fight, only everybody knew 
that they weren't. They were just going to accept whatever was happening and, and just back away because, after all, Goliath is nine feet tall. I can't even pick up his spear. I can't even. There's no way we can fight this guy. Now, I, I would propose to you that Israel's first mistake was that they accepted the premise that Goliath presented to them. I'm the biggest guy out here. You send somebody to fight me. Do you know how many times the devil convinces us to accept the premise about our lives? There's nothing you can do about this. Our society is what it is. It's just the way it is. It's just this, your family's always going to be that way. Your, your marriage is always going to be that way. Your health is always going to be that way. And, and, and the devil can talk us into becoming familiar with what God doesn't want us to have. And so Israel was walking out to battle shouting as if they were big tough guys only to retreat when Goliath stepped out. But the crazy part is what the, they said, well, we'll fight by your rules. We'll fight by your rules. How does Goliath get to set the rules for fighting? He's one guy. And I would ask you the same question. How's the devil set the rules for your family? How's the, how's the devil get to set the rules for our community? How do we let him do that? So we wake up one morning and all of a sudden the devil's saying, Hey, listen, you're always going to have a drug problem in the eastern panhandle of West Virginia. You're always going to have a family problem in there. You're always going to have an abortion problem. You're always going to have. Your society is never going to get better. And we just retreat and we accept it like it's truth. Until a young kid comes running up on the stage. I like David because um, the Bible doesn't say, I mean, the Bible says he's good looking, but it also describes him as ruddy. And I don't know about you, but I hope my daughters don't bring any ruddy guys home. I don't even know what that means. It's like, hey, Dad, I'm, here's Billy. Well, he's awful ruddy. I don't want ruddy. I want smart, strong. But the Bible doesn't really describe David as this overly muscular, strong, skilled fighter. It describes him as a shepherd. It describes him as, as just a good guy. Ruddy good guy, nonetheless, but a good guy. And if you rewind a couple chapters before this incident, you find out that God had, had taken his approval off of the current king Saul. And, and he had led the prophet to David's house. And after he'd went through all of David's older brothers, the prophet looks at Jesse, David's dad, and says, hey, do you got any more sons? God wants to anoint one of your kids as king. And he says, yeah, I got David. Just a little ruddy guy out with the sheep. Brings him out, anoints him as king. Now you see the conflict between David and his older brother. It comes to life here in this situation because his older brother says, I know how you are, you're conceited. David said, I'm only asking a question. I'm, only, I'm just wondering what's going on. I'm wondering why this guy gets to come out and dictate how we do everything. I'm wondering why this uncircumcised Philistine, if you ever get in an argument, call him an uncircumcised Philistine. <laughs> Don't do that. How does this guy get to come out and dictate to all of us we're, the, we're God's people? How does this happen? And he gets ridiculed for making the comment. So he asks, 
he, David hears that there's going to be this reward, this incentive program, if you will, for killing Goliath. Hey, they would line up every day and they would try to talk each other into going to kill him. Hey, you, you know, you know that you could marry the king's daughter if you killed Goliath. And I don't, but the incentive program wasn't that good because for 40 days nobody took him up on it. Hey, you know you can marry the king's daughter. There must have been a picture going around of her because she must not have been that cute. Everybody, all the guys are going, that ain't worth it. That ain't worth it. I'm not fighting the nine-foot dude for her. I heard she was controlling. I'm not doing that. Now the taxes, I may take you up on taxes. It said you could have the king's daughter and you could live tax-free. Nobody would take him up on it. Forty days, David steps out. Starts to inquire about what's going on. You see, the mindset had been a defeatist mindset. And the issue is, in our community, oftentimes, we live in a defeatist mindset. Do you know how many people, even, I've even been in conversations where we have conversations like this. There is no answer right now for the drug epidemic. The crazy part is that Israel was lining up every day. It said, it, it said in there that they were walking up to the battle line shouting as if they were victorious. God put this image in my head of us coming to church week after week after week shouting, but the giant's still there. Come to church week after God, you're amazing. And then we still have a defeatist mentality at times. We still just accept the truth, somebody else's truth about our family. We still accept somebody else's uh, a comment about, about our marriage or, or, or our community. And we just, well, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. So the word gets rung up the ladder to Saul. And Saul calls for David. And they've got some history if you want to go back and look at it. When David gets in front of Saul, Saul says, hey, man. I mean, come on, it's cute and all, but. I don't think it's going to work out well. David said, hey, I'll go fight him for you. Saul says, you're, you're a young guy. You're, you're not like one of these seasoned fighters here. You're a young guy. David said, I know, but let me give you my resume. Now, let me explain to you what this was sort of like. It's like a teenager going to try to apply as a CEO of a large corporation and his work experience is McDonald's. At least there's work experience, right? Let's go with that. We're happy about that. He walks up in front of Saul, and Saul says, hey, man, you're a kid. This is crazy. And David says, all right, let, let me tell you a little bit my, about my history. I, um, I'm a shepherd. It's what my dad told me I was. And so I'm a shepherd. But what I found out was when the lion came and tried to steal one of the sheep, I grabbed the lion and killed it. And when the same thing happened with the bear, I did the same thing to the bear. But he makes this pivotal statement. He said, the Lord delivered me. All right. Everybody got that? Hey, this room's a little bigger, so you're going to have to amen a little louder. (laughs) The Lord delivered me from the lion and the bear. You see, the key thing is the Lord delivered me. You see, that trumps every other 
resume builder right there, right? Right? Now watch this. Watch this. Our society is plagued by groupthink. I just used it right there. Uh, there's a couple terms I hate. And I talk to my kids about it all the time. One of them is uh, when everybody says, I feel. I don't care how you feel. I tell my kids, I don't care how you feel. It's not a prerequisite to care how you feel. Well, I just feel like, no, say you think. That's better than feeling. You, you're thinking about something. The other one is this, right? As soon as I said it, everybody's like, oh, I know what he's talking about. We use this term, we go, right? And we do the little, ooh, ooh. You know why we do that? Because we're consumed with groupthink. We want everybody to think the same thing around us. So that's why we make a statement and we don't say, hey, this is what I think. Do you agree? We go, right? Because, because we will be crushed if they don't agree with us. So we verbal jujitsu people into group think. Everybody believes that this is right, right? Everybody think right, right, right? <laughs> Put any turn you want to it, it sounds awful. We're going to come up with a list of words banned at Hope Community Church. <laughs> Feel and right? I don't know, can you, can you make an accent on it, on paper? You know what throws the whole thing off is when one person walks in and goes, no. I don't care how you say right. I don't think that way. Man, if we could just get a couple people like that. This drug epidemic, there's no answer for it, right? No, I don't believe that. Right? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't care how you say right. I don't believe it. Well, there's a, the fact of the matter is, that marriages are, you know, marriage as a whole is going out the window, right? No, 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 no. I don't believe that. And so that may be the group think of the time. That, that may be the premise that everybody's operating on, but I don't have to think that. So David walks into Saul and Saul says, listen, everybody out there is scared of this guy and you're a kid. So there's no way you can do this, Right? And David goes, wait a second. I killed the lion and the bear. I don't do group think. I don't do group think. I, I was out in the field. There was no group. There was just a bunch of sheep. And they don't say right. They say right. <laughs> There's no. Now watch this. Watch this. I'm going to say something I didn't say the first service. Because God loves you more. Watch this. There's a great example of what I was just talking about. David had always had to be the thinking one because he was herding sheep. He always had to be the one give direction. Even at a young age, he always had to be the one leading the flock. He refused group thing. Sheep are stupid and they will get you killed. 
And sometimes the church is like that. You march up to battle. We're going to do this. Whoa, that's a big one. Right? I mean, he's way too big for us to fight, right? I don't know if we should do this, right? David had been used to going against the grain because if a, if a lion came up, sheep are running. They're not sticking around waiting to see who's going to fight him. And David could not go with the group think of sheep. So he had to walk into every situation. I'm the only dude here. And if anything's going to get done, I got to think different than these sheep. So he looks at Saul and Saul's group thinking says, you can't do this. And he says, listen, I got a couple things to go on. I want to present my my resume to you. I, I would like you to entertain my experience. First of all, there was a lion. And the lion came to do what the lions do, to sheep. And I grabbed him and I destroyed him. Same thing with a bear. Grabbed him and destroyed him. And then he says, the Lord delivered me. The Lord delivered me. Because it's almost unbelievable until he makes that statement. It's almost unbelievable until, if he said, if he just said, look, I, I, I kill lions and bears. And he, oh my, you know, like, no, that, that you don't. There's no way you did. But when he adds in there, the Lord delivered me, it automatically becomes believable. The Lord delivered. You know, when we first started talking about this building, there were aspects of it that I thought, oh, man, God, I don't, know, I don't know if we can pull that off. Um, the Lord is going to have to, you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to do something. And then let me let you in on a couple things that just happened recently that have nothing to do with the building, but were confirmation that God can do things. So we're, we're in a fury to wrap this thing up. Just work it, work it, work it, work it, work it, work it, work it. I got a text message from from somebody whose husband had been working here in this building installing the HVAC equipment, which is unbelievable. And he did an unbelievable job. She texts me and she says, I was in the hospital the other day with a stress fracture in my foot to the point I couldn't stand on it. I put a prayer request out to the prayer thing on Facebook and everybody started praying and praying and praying. I went to the doctor to get a follow-up to figure out if I need what I needed to happen. And the doctor said, there's nothing wrong with your foot. Get out of my office. And I thought, wow. Are you sure? I looked at her this morning. I was like, let me see you walk. I, um, I just talked to a lady yesterday at lunch. Tears in her eyes, put her arms around me, said, man, I just love this so much. I had a friend come from Ohio. She started, to, she said, the Lord healed me. The Lord healed me of ovarian cancer. And I was like, God, you're good. There's a man in our connect group that got news that he was cancer free during our last session of connect group. We've been praying for him. You see, just like David, there's some, there's some resume builders that are going on. And, it, and, it, and in David's time, 
when he was actually killing the lion, the bear, who was he going to tell? Is he going to bend down with the sheep? Did you see that? That was awesome. Right? That was amazing. Did you see how? There's nobody to tell. And there's some things that have happened in your life that you may have just put on the back burner because there was nobody in the moment to tell. Man, God kept me there. God did this. Or maybe, maybe you just couldn't tell anybody. Maybe, maybe it was something you couldn't share. And, and it just became this resume builder. So now, watch this. Now he's standing. But here's the curious thing. Now he's standing in a position where what he had done in the past does, still does not qualify for what God's asking him to do now. It's crazy. He's, he's getting ready to go out and fight a nine-foot man who is smarter than a lion and smarter than a bear, who is skilled in the art of war, who could really probably kill David in an instant if he could get his hands on him. Maybe not even his hands on him. And yet it's not necessarily the lion and the bear that qualified him. It was God that qualified him. I killed the lion and the bear, but the reason I was able to do that was because the Lord delivered me from them. And you see that all through David's life, that he can attribute his success to God, and then it equips him to do something that he's not equipped to do. Because killing a lion or bear doesn't equip you to kill the giant. But it does, but it does set the stage for you to be there. So watch this. I started thinking about where we are in our church history. I can remember back, uh, I think it was 14 years ago, uh, we were struggling, struggling. There's some people in leadership here, they're just struggling, trying to figure it out. And uh, this piece of land became available. Actually, it's just right behind where we're standing here, where that land starts. It was 28 acres, it became available. And, and we just looked at each other like, I don't know, we gotta figure it out. I don't even know how this is gonna happen. And God miraculously made a way for us to purchase that land that now we are occupied. You say, that's really neat. That's really good. That's amazing. But buying that land doesn't equip you to build a building. Any contractor will tell you that. Or you think you're a contractor because you own a piece of land. (laughs) Everybody's a contractor, right? We got home and garden television now. Everybody's a contractor. We got Pinterest. Somebody came up to me the other day. I've been looking at Pinterest. I was like, "I I don't have time to talk to you. If buying land qualifies you to be a contractor, then killing a lion qualifies you to fight for a whole country. It's ridiculous on the, on the face value. It's silly to think that way. But what God does is he doesn't say, because you did this, now you're qualified. He says, because I did this, you're qualified. And that's two totally different things. He doesn't say, oh, well, you've stacked up so many wins that I can trust you with this. No, he says, you've trusted in me so many times that I can trust you with this. And so I look at this building as not the culmination of our church's existence. By any stretch of the imagination. I don't look at this building as something we just sit back and go, wow, look what we were able to accomplish. No, I look at this as a sign that God wants us to kill giants. You say, well, wait, 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 wait. Um, 
you're getting a little ahead of yourself there, pastor. <laughs> we haven't even had two good services in this building yet. Aren't you getting a little bit, you know, excited? I mean, I know that the vibe is good and there's hot coffee and there's places to sit out there. And, and I, my kid was crying and nobody saw me leave. That's a plus. Um, I know there's all these things, pastor, that, that are happening, but, but now you're now you're talking about things that I don't know that we're qualified for. I'm glad you're thinking that. I don't think David thought he was qualified. I think he was making the point that God delivered me and God will deliver me. This is, God is more mad about this than you are and there should be something done about that. God is more upset that this guy's standing up defiling him than it seems like we are. And I just think somebody should stand up and trust God. So watch what happens. We build a building. And then all of a sudden, somebody says, well, I think, I don't think I accept the premise that we just have to put up with a drug epidemic in our, in our community anymore. Well, what qualifies you to do that? Oh, we, we built a new building. It's pretty, it's pretty nifty. Change the logo and the name. At the same time. I mean, that's leadership right there. Unbelievable. People should just be coming asking us what, what they should do with their life. It's got nothing to do with that. You know what it's got to do with? God delivered us. 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 God made a way where there seemed to be no way. God made the way when there wasn't any money. God made the way where you couldn't sleep in the same room with each other. God made a way when you couldn't even carry on a conversation without arguing. God made a way where your body was so sick that you didn't think you were going to make it anymore. God made a way where there seemed to be no way. And if the only qualification I have is that God called me to this day, then I think that's enough. So David uh, picks up a couple rocks, runs out there to meet Goliath. And you, most of you know the story. I need to make sure that we, um, two things. The band can go ahead and come up. Two things I want to make sure I leave you with. David didn't pray that God would remove the Goliath. I think David was praying for the right rocks. You know what I've start, started to learn over, over the years? By the way, I turned 43 years old yesterday. This is a pretty good, Chris, this is a pretty good birthday gift. Pretty good. You know what I've learned in those 43 years? I stopped praying God take stuff from me and start asking for better rocks. How many times we, we ask for God to remove a giant that he called us to kill? How many times that we ask God to remove a giant he called us to kill? The Bible says that David hit that guy in the head with a rock and then lopped his head off. If you're going to knock the giant down, you better be ready to cut his head off. The church for so many years has prayed, God, God, he, you know, do this, do that, take away the pain, take away this, take away that, take away, take it away, take it away. 
What I find is, is that God rarely takes it away. But he will give you an endless supply of rocks. He will give you an endless supply of rocks to fight. Because God is not in the business. If you flip forward to the New Testament, Paul says, we delight in this suffering. Paul says, there's things I'm learning from the fight. It's all worth it. At the end of Paul's life, he's saying, man, the whole fight is worth it. I'm not asking God to take these chains from me. I'm asking him for more rocks. So what happens is we spend so much time asking God, God, take this away. Take the, We don't want the drugs anymore. We don't want the divorce anymore. We don't want abortion. Just do something about it, God. And he said, I put a pile of rocks in your backyard. You haven't picked one up yet. I gave you a history of me delivering you. And now I've set a giant up in front of you that I want you to knock out and cut his head off. So here we are. Does this building qualify to kill a giant? Nope. Does it make us dumb enough to trust God to kill a giant? Yep. And I want to challenge you in your life. Does having a, a new building and a new church and a new name and all that stuff, does it qualify you to have a better marriage? No. Does it give you more rocks in your pocket to have a better marriage? Yeah. And here's what I know. Watch this. David goes and, and kills Goliath. But everybody else chases the Philistines. <laughs> and then it says when they came back, they plundered the Philistine camp. And I thought, well, that's a pretty sweet gig. Now think about this from my perspective. That's a pretty sweet gig because it works like this. David was the only guy there with enough faith to trust God to get the victory delivered, but everybody else around him benefited from it. We just talked a couple weeks ago about, about getting to a position in your life where you think you're the only one. If you're the only one, you're enough. If you're the only one, you're enough. With God and you, it's enough to kill any giant. But the benefit is, is that your kids and your grandkids and your church family and the church town, everybody else benefits. Now watch. I think this is a good church, but I don't think it's the only good church. And I don't think building this building gave us a corner on anything. Some of you are like, well, I mean, I don't know. It's pretty good. Here's what I do believe, though. If we will take the past experience of God delivering, the current experience of God providing, and we will let him set up giants for us. Where's the next giant? Lord, we're not praying you keep us from the giant. We're praying you point him out. We're not praying that you, that you isolate us from the world's ills. We're praying you point them out so we can knock them down. We're praying, Lord, now that you, can, that, that you would give us the strength to walk out and in the midst of turmoil and chaos, in the midst of the, our society, uh, just degrading all around us, that we would just start clicking them off. The next giant, Lord, we're waiting on him. The next giant, we're waiting on him. We're not asking you to keep us from him. We're looking for him now. And if you flip forward to Acts, chapter 4, Jesus resurrected, and the, and the 
Peter and John heal this guy. They walk up and the guy's sitting there. He says, hey man, you got any money? He says, I ain't got any money. I'm a follower of Christ. I ain't got any money. He says, I don't have any money. Silver and gold. Have I none, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. Dude stands up and walks. Only the blessing that God pours out on that guy caused controversy for Peter and John. They get hauled in, locked up, all kinds of chaos happens. But when they get released, here's what the Bible records in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage against the people, rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. He's quoting the guy we were just talking about. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with Gentiles, the people of Israel in the city, to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Verse 29, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Yeah. See, the same thing's happening in Acts chapter 4. Jesus had died and resurrected, and they're like, hey, man, we ain't got nothing to be afraid of now. We've got nothing to be afraid of. David went to Saul, and he said, I can do this. I got nothing to be afraid of. I know it doesn't look like I'm qualified. Peter and John, were, they weren't qualified. Matter of fact, the religious leaders were like, hey, man, these are, these are dumb guys. Why are they saying all this smart stuff? They're uneducated men. Where are they getting all this information? They're not qualified to have this type of faith. But the Lord had delivered them, just like David. And they weren't praying to be removed from the presence of giants. They were saying, Lord, just show us which one it is. Which one do you want us to tackle now? So church, that's what I want to say to you this morning. This building and all of its splendor and all the hard work and all the effort and all the miracles and all that stuff, it is a beautiful thing to celebrate, but it's a celebration in light of there's another giant to kill. There's another giant to kill. And this should give us the confidence that with God, all things are possible. That with God, he can deliver us. With, with God, he can give us the victory. With God, he can... We can be overcomers. With God, you can stay married. With God, you can make it. With God, you can... All things. Amen? So come on, stand to your feet. Father, we ask you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, there's a symbolic giant standing in front of every person here this morning. And here's what I know, Lord. It only takes one of us to step out and fight. And then we can influence... Lord, we can, we don't have to be the best church, Lord. We just want to be the church that walks out first. We just want to be the church that throws the first rock. Lord, we want all churches to be reaching people. So, Lord, we ask today, we don't want to run from a giant, Lord. We want to take the experience that you just gave us 
and let it give us confidence to knock another one down and another one and another one and be so bold that we could believe that you could do unbelievable things in our community and through the people right here. Lord, I pray, I pray that we trust you when nobody else thinks it's possible. I pray that we resist groupthink. I pray that we resist the normal way to do things. I pray the Lord we show up and offer the solution of God Almighty that you can do this. And Lord, we pray that you'd use us. We pray that you raise faith up within us. And Lord, we pray that you'd do something great in our midst. We honor and adore you because you are good and you are doing it, Lord. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Come on, church. He is worth you praising him this morning. He is good. Amen. Hey, listen, I want you to encourage somebody. You'll be able to leave your offering on the way out. And kill a giant this week. Come on. We'll see you back here for Easter.